This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. He was gone. He was off to the races. Just when you thought it was going to be a huge play, a big missed field goal return up the left. Talk about an explosive sudden change play. This place is deadly quiet right now. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, welcome to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown, Greg Mackling with you. Hope you're having a great day no matter how you're tuning in. Thanks for subscribing, downloading, and sharing the Blue Bomber Podcast. Doug Brown, 29-9 victory over the Ottawa Red Blacks for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the pouring rain at IGF on Friday night. I'm not thinking about changing my tires quite yet to my winter tires, but did that game highlight the fact that the Blue Bombers have a couple of decent all-season tires in the stable in the form of Timothy Flanders? and Andrew Harris. You know, and that that's exactly what was impressive about this game. It's its no accomplishment really to beat a team with a losing record and their third string quarterback making his first start ever against your football team. You should beat them. We talked about it last week's podcast. That team comes to your stadium in those conditions, that kind of inexperienced quarterback at the helm. You know, the only way you lose this game is if you beat yourself. So that wasn't really what jumped off the page for me. What got me excited about the potential of this football team are the conditions in which this football team played in hmm. and how they didn't miss a beat in the pouring rain. Like that, was, that was horrendous weather. It was sporadic. It was inconsistent. There were howling, swirling winds. The rain was either a torrential downpour or it was off. It was, you know, it was like a faucet being turned on and off. It was absolutely insane. And yet the Bombers had over 360 yards of passing and almost 200 yards on the ground, okay? So you're like, well, you know, that's great. They played well in the rain. Why are you so excited? Well, when you get to the player, first of all, if you look at where the Western Final and or Western Final are going to be played, um, with BC pretty much in last place right now. In the it fifth. will not be inside. It will not be inside. It is going to be outside, right? And what's one of the things you want to tailor your football team to be able to do? It's play well in crappy weather conditions. And I was just blown away at how good this offense was when everything was less than ideal. In fact, everything was very hard. Everything was very difficult. There's so many challenges inherent with playing in conditions like that. And they navigated them flawlessly, especially when you compare to how Ottawa struggled in those same conditions. Now, we have you on this podcast. Your name is on it for a reason. It's because you are an, a former All-Star. You're a Hall of Famer. Give us an idea of what it's like to play in those weather conditions for someone that maybe has played a tiny bit of football or played no football at all. What happens to the football itself? Does it yeah. get heavier? Does it get slippery? And the equipment that's uh, designed to help you in this weather can't be be effective the entire time. Yeah, you know, just from my position, what I used to play specifically, it slows down. Everything slows down, okay? Because everything is wet, everything is waterlogged, saturated. Um, you, your hands, you're, gra- you're trying to grab, as a defensive lineman, you almost, if you know what you're doing, you almost exclusively are using your hands, pushing, pulling, turning, uh, tackling, obviously. All these kind of things, but your entire run defense technique, pass rush technique, it's all incumbent about your hands. He said one of the greatest coaches I ever worked with said, before every game, you worry about your feet, you worry about your hands. Everything else will take care of itself, specifically hand placement, seeing what you're doing. 
and uh, your hand strength is. I mean, there's a reason they measure the width of your hands uh, in in combine testing and stuff when they're poking and prodding you in in the meat shop. Um, they they look at the size uh, of your hands and the length of your arms uh, because that's such a critical part of your arsenal. So that becomes less effective. Okay, uh, I'm, I've played in games where. You know, the faster you run, the more that rain is like, if you ever ridden a motorcycle in the rain, right? And uh, you're like, rain doesn't hurt unless you're actually going at speeds, right? So imagine a guy like Darvin Adams running at full speed. Yeah, he's going 20 miles an hour. At least, right? Let's say 40 miles an hour. Anyways, (laughs) collecting almost 200 yards receiving. Yeah. And he's got to turn around and locate that football when the rain is pouring that hard. And then he's got to somehow catch it. These guys are all wearing gloves. And trust me, they don't get stickier when they get wet either. And he's got to he's got to secure that football as well. Like that for me was one of the most legendary performances I've seen at receiver because of the conditions. And then you look at the two backs and how dominant they were. Like you said, almost 200 yards on the ground. But those guys were were catching balls out of the backfield and everything. They had their footing. They weren't slipping. They weren't going down. And it just makes you wonder. You're like, is this the plan all along for this football team to have all these tools and this ability? I mean, granted, we didn't know that Darvin Adams could dominate in conditions like that. But we also know that this offense, they're very, very adamant about having that two-back set out there. And you know what they said? The worse the weather gets, the more you want to involve your running backs and your running game because it's all higher percentage stuff. And this is a football team that's been practicing with two starting backs now in multiple sets for quite some time now. So you have to, you know, it's starting to dawn on me. I'm like, wow, this appears to be the master plan all along. And what a performance on Friday. I've never been so excited about the playoff potential of a football team based on what I saw on Friday in that rain. Now we talk about Flanders and, and Harris running out of the backfield together or operating as receivers out of the backfield. You see Flanders in the slot. You see Harris in the slot. There are so many looks that Paul Lapolice has created for opposing defenses out of this set. We just got a tiny tidbit of that near the end of the season last year. And really the reason that this was a possibility was the injury to Weston Dressler off the top of the season. The Bombers felt comfortable. They were almost forced into it. This could be one of the happiest mistakes, even though it was in the back of their minds as an option, right? Uh, Tell us a little bit about how that can happen in terms of injuries, opening up opportunities to try new things, and why the mentality of next man up is so critical for you not to miss a beat. In fact, for you to maybe even get better when these things that look unfortunate from the outside looking in happen. Well, you know, it wasn't just the injury to Dressler either. You have to think about the contemplation that Andrew Harris is a huge part of this offense, and you really want to expose him all season long to being the only guy in the backfield and and exposing him to all of that contact and all those carries it had to already have been a consideration for them hey in the instincts of self-preservation how about the most important piece of our of our offense that makes defenses respect our multiple dimensional uh, capabilities how about we we introduce another back as well to spell him? It wasn't it wasn't just the fact that they had the opportunity with Weston Dressler getting injured, but hey, in, in the in the best interest of preserving uh, us having an opportunity in playoffs, how about we 
throw Flanders into the mix, spell uh, Mr. Harris a little bit through the regular season so he has something left in the postseason. A guy that's, uh, what, 30 to 31 years old right now. So very smart. And now... Regardless of health of receivers, we're seeing that Flanders has become a a big part of this offense, an integral part of it, and it just bodes so well. You know, people always complained, you know, in the the days of July about, oh, I wish we could stretch the field vertically more and we had more more, uh, game breakers and downfield threats. I think they have that now in Darvin Adams. But if you get really good at that short to intermediate game and when your number one go-to play is just like a short little dump pass out in the flat to one of your backs, this is so tailored to inclement weather in playoff scenarios. It's unbelievable. It makes me so excited about this football team. And I can sense it in your voice. I can sense it in the column that you wrote for the free press as you do every single weekend. We appreciate you coming for the podcast that bears your name, Doug, because I agree with you. It was extremely heartening to see this team before the way they did under the conditions. And I gave you a little bit of a hard time when we were six games into this season and we were looking back and maybe predicting who the most outstanding player on this team would be. And at that point in time, Andrew Harris uh, probably was ahead of Justin Medlock, who was ahead of Matt Nichols in my mind. And you're like, no, nothing works without Nichols. You have to have Nichols. You have to have this quarterback that does what he does. 69.7% on 23 of 33 uh, completions and attempts. Two touchdowns. Again, no interceptions. A 75-yard completion to Darvin Adams. And we have to talk about how good Matt Nichols has become. It's him and Bo Levi, is it not, in terms of 1-2 in the league now? Has Nichols wrestled away the number 2 quarterback in the league from Mike Riley? Well, I think he's got, I mean, statistically, I think he's number 1 in touchdowns in the CFL, and I think his core rating is actually number 1. So um, there's all different ways to quantify and measure your quarterback, but I think he's... uh, He's got to be top two or top three just in terms of how he fits in his system. So this is the perfect system for him, and it's brought out the best in him, obviously, as a quarterback. And uh, he's just playing tremendous, tremendous, phenomenal football right now. And, you know, he understands limitations. He's, he's smart with it. He's decisive. He utilizes and distributes that football to all of his, uh, his weapons, his targets. Uh, he understands the value of, of his backs and being multiple. And uh, the offensive line has done a great job for him. And he's brought that new dimension of, of running the football as well. So, um, like I say, we got a lot of games to go. Uh, the, the final six for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think uh, his performance and this football team's performance in those final six will go a long way into determining who the front runners are and the finalists for awards in, in the CFL. But he's certainly in the mix, along with a lot of other players on the, on the Blue Bombers roster for some league recognition. So if we are impressed with how the Blue Bombers ran the ball, is there any concern with the fact that William Powell for Ottawa carried the ball 14 times for 107 yards when Ryan Ryan Lindley was not performing anywhere close to what you can consider at CFL quarterback level. When everyone in the stadium knew they were going to be running the ball and they were able to do so against the Blue Bomber defense, I'm just trying to be a little bit of a voice of reason here and take a look at uh, one of the things that concerned me. Does it concern you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think earlier in the season it was glossed over. Oh, hey, you know, you, you could read 
the Bombers are actually pretty good stopping the run. Well, no, not really, because nobody running, was running against running them. the football is at an all-time low right now in the CFL. So you can't really say, oh, yeah, they've been on average only allowing 70 yards a game. Well, you know, if that came in five carries or something like that and, and that was all anybody rushed against them, then that's that's irrelevant. Right. So. I think uh, there is concern if uh, a football team makes a, a demonstrated effort to run the football. If that's part of their game plan, I think there is a concern there. Uh, I think you know this entire Michael Shea regime. Uh, I don't know one year where they've actually had a very good run defense where they're fundamentally sound, where they don't give up explosive plays on the ground. If there's been one continuous. Uh, Achilles heel that and and passing yardage I would say uh, defensively those are the, those are the two things right there is that they haven't been sound against the run on the ground especially when teams have made a concerted effort to exploit that and expose them and then obviously passing yards and explosive plays through the air has has been something that has also lingered for this defense and football team so yeah I mean every team has their their flaws right now um, the Bombers are good enough offensively and on special teams and defensively that they're nine and three right right now. Um, that will be, uh, I think, the biggest uh, limitation to how far they will go in the playoffs, right? It will be the the performance of their defense, whether they can shore that up, whether they can turn a corner with that, and or whether they can get lucky or not when it comes down to a couple playoff contests, how that defense, whether the takeaways they can get the turnovers, uh, they can uh, they can sneak away. They can offset. Whether that will overcome right. these other deficiencies that they have. So Darvin Adams, we mentioned him, you talked about him, you raved about him. I've been raving about him for a few weeks now, but he has genuinely established himself as that go-to deep threat. And when you combine that with Clarence Denmark and some of the things that they're able to do in terms of possession with Harris, with Flanders, and even Fioli Godino, who has been since he's been here. That guy that you think, well, baby, this is the day that he gets cut, or this is the week the Blue Bombers replace him and upgrade him. He just seems to stick around and just, well, just do his job. Darvin Adams now, 961 yards receiving. He's on the brink of a thousand yard uh, receiving season, but it's the way he's doing it now. He is kind of like uh, the guy that goes into the huddle and says, if you need a big play, I'm here, <laughs> right? And, and you know there are guys like that, and he's starting to be comfortable with being that guy. I think he's consistent now. I think that's the biggest thing we've noticed in terms of differences about Darvin Adams in in previous years to this year right now. You're seeing him progress and evolve into that number one uh, target, the number one receiver for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, He's the explosive home run hitter is what he is. He's the one guy, I think, that no matter where he catches the ball now, he can threaten to score potentially. He has that capability uh, one-on-one. Without question, he's the guy you throw the ball to, right? You want to put him in those jump ball scenarios. Uh, You want to get him singled up in man coverage. You're going to take that shot all the time because now he's consistently showing and proving that you know he can win the majority of those and, and he can make the big plays and uh, and he's starting to be a real clutch guy. So he's added a whole different dimension, I think, to this offense all by himself. You know, he's that guy. He's different now from all the other receivers because he has that dimension, that element. Now he's an explosive big play receiver, and we haven't seen one of those around here in quite some time. And that is who and what he is emerging as. Why don't we take a pause when we come back? We'll take a look at the Edmonton Eskimos. That is the Blue Bomber opposition coming up Saturday night at. 
I don't even like saying it, so I won't. The brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Yeah, I did, after all. It's the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown, and we'll come back. We'll set up this week's game. Don't go away. Hey, hey, it's GMAC for Doug Brown. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. We want to thank you for being a loyal visitor by giving you an opportunity to win tickets to a future Blue Bomber home game. 204-780-6868. And if you've been playing along all season, thanks for doing so. If this is your first time, what you do is you wait for me to give you the secret word, which I'm going to do in just a moment, and you text it to 204-780-6868 to be entered into a draw to win tickets to see your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And this week, the secret word is rain. Why not? After that game Friday night at IGF and the way the Blue Bombers performed in the weather, the secret word for tickets to see the Blue Bombers is RAIN. R-A-I-N 204-780-6868. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for subscribing to the Blue Bomber Podcast. Whether bomber fans call or text, Bob Irving makes sure your questions get answers from Mike O'Shea. It's your chance to stay connected to the blue and gold. The Payworks Bombers Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea and Bob Irving, Monday at 7 on CJOB. Everything you need to know about your Winnipeg Blue Bombers brought to you by a CFL Hall of Fame player. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Subscribe now in iTunes. All right, Doug. The last time the Blue Bombers and the Eskimos faced one another was at IGF. The Eskimos had never lost a game at Investors Group Field. They'd yet to lose a game in the 2017 football season. Lo and behold, here we are. The Eskimos have lost five in a row, and the Bombers don't want to break that Ofer streak on the other side now, going up into Edmonton. What are going to be the keys for them besides doing uh, pretty much what they did this past Friday night? Yeah, you know, this this is probably going to be the toughest game of the year. Um, in my estimation, going into Edmonton, always very difficult to go out there and play. Edmonton's coming off a bye week. Edmonton, as you said, has lost five games in a row, but I think Edmonton is also getting healthy right now. And uh, I think they're a very proud organization. I think they have excellent coaching over there. I think they have one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the CFL. We're very lucky uh, that Nichols has an ability to elevate when he plays against Riley because, you know, thank God that they have that competitive nature about the two of them because he's going to need to elevate his game as well. I, I think the Eskimos understand that they're still in control of their season, but it's starting to slowly slip away from them. It's getting away from them, obviously. And I think this bye week... Couldn't have come at a better time for Edmonton. Uh, like I said, it allows them to get uh, healthier, get more players back on the field. It allows them to regroup, and they start off you know, the final section of this regular season schedule at home against a divisional opponent, and the winner gets the season series, I believe. Well, depending on... Uh, I guess the score in the game. Yeah, depending on the score uh, discrepancy and uh, points for and points against. So it's going to be a huge challenge for Winnipeg to go in, and uh, you want to talk about litmus tests and measuring sticks in the West... Bombers are nine and three. They have a better record than Edmonton, but you know this is a team you really, really have to understand is going to be getting after it on, on on Saturday. So, are we reaching a tipping point here? Because leading up 
into, I would say, the Hamilton game, there was still some trepidation on your part and my part. Hamilton hadn't won a game, and neither one of us would go on the record with a prediction. Ever since then, we've been comfortable taking a look, honestly, brutally honestly, at what the Bombers would do. We've been we've pegged it every step of the way, including last week, what went down, including, well, oh yeah, I was right about what happened in Regina. You were, you were uh, hopeful that the Bombers could win. I'm sorry to bring that up. But the point is, Doug, that really we've had this pegged all the way along since we've been talking for the last six weeks about this. So when we take a look at this, my long-winded, long-about way, as I tend to do sometimes, of asking you about, is this a tipping point? Is Edmonton now looking at Winnipeg as the measuring stick versus Winnipeg looking at Edmonton as the measuring stick? I think they're looking at each other with similar regard for their capabilities. And uh, I don't think uh, Winnipeg is no longer frightened of the evil empire of, of Edmonton, and but vice versa. As well, I think Edmonton's uh, going to be looking to bring these guys down a notch or two, and I think Winnipeg's going to be going in there saying, "Hey, we're better than this football team. We've already beat them. Let's continue to roll and do what we do." It's going to be interesting. Edmonton, a much more veteran team um, than Winnipeg, and uh, I can't even think of games I've been looking forward to watching as much as this one. Uh, Winnipeg going in. Uh, to Edmonton and uh, to me if Edmonton loses this game they're going to be on the road for sure if they make the playoffs kind of thing because of the way Saskatchewan is playing and granted they lost to Calgary but they lost to Calgary by six points and uh, you know they're uh, definitely an improved football team so it's very very compelling and I I can't wait to see this game. Now Commonwealth Stadium has been a graveyard for Blue Bomber teams, not just in the 2000s, not just in the 1990s, and all the way back till 1983 when they opened that stadium. It's been a very difficult place for all teams in the Canadian Football League to win, and the Blue Bombers certainly no strangers to that. They broke their 10-year streak last year in Matt Nichols' very first start at Commonwealth Stadium as a starter for the Blue Bombers. But you're right, you know, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a, a swagger coming from Edmonton. They believe they can defend home field. It'll be interesting to see how the Bombers come out early in that game. And I think that will dictate how much they believe that they can go in and actually come out victorious. On the other end, can we put too much on how the first quarter goes? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, one thing we do know about this football team, this home football team, is that it doesn't really matter how the first quarter goes because they're going to keep getting after it and they're going to stay. You're talking about the Bombers. Yeah, they've uh, managed Sometimes they've come out strong, sometimes they haven't, but they, they're a resilient bunch, right? There's one thing you can say conclusively about this football team is that they don't let it go, you know? And, and yeah, they have bad halves and quarters, just like every football team does, but it never, you know, somehow they're always able to respond and, and uh, right the ship and, and make a game of it late. So um, whether they've been leading a game or, or they're chasing their tails coming from behind the entire thing. They always seem to find a way to respond. And uh, you got to love that character check uh, and that ability from this franchise. So Doug, uh, as we do every time uh, on the podcast, uh, at the end, uh, we have to make a call as to what the Blue Bombers are going to do in their next game. So... What say you? Edmonton, Winnipeg, Saturday night in uh, what's sure to be a boisterous uh, Commonwealth Stadium. How do the Bombers fare? Do they come back 10 and 3 or 9 and 4? I'm going to say I'm going to say they drop this one. I'm going to say they come back 9 and 4. I don't I don't I, I think uh it's hard right now for me to pick against them with you know everything they've shown me how how great last Friday was, but I just think 
you know, Edmonton is going to surprise. I don't think they're done yet. Let's put it that way. And they are at home. And so I think they might edge them out, just knowing how difficult it is to play out there. I think they might edge out this football team now that they're healthier. But um, I still expect a good game, and I'd be very happy to be wrong. Well, because you're going to be wrong. For just the second time this year, you and I are going to disagree. And I I think the Bombers are going to go in somehow, some way. They're going to eke out a win against the Eskimos. Is that too many E's and too much alliteration for you? But I think the Bombers are going to find a way to win this game. There's something special. I agree. You started selling me on it very early on. Something special about this team. I'm starting to see it and on multiple levels. And uh, this is one of those games. Good teams, as we've been saying, find a way to win every game that they're supposed to and championship teams find a way to win games that you might otherwise expect them to lose. This is going to be one of those defining games for the Blue Bombers as they head towards the playoffs in 2017. Doug, let's do it again next week. All right. See you here. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.